I have a funny story kind of about the birth order of three children. So our first one, Connor, was due January 24th. And uh, of course, it's right after Christmas. Early the morning of the 12th, I think I'm in labor. My parents are in Kentucky, so I call them. I say, oh, it's probably five o'clock in the morning. We're gonna go to the hospital. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not even sure I'm in labor. I'll call you when I know more. Okay, so I had barely hung up the phone. It rings again. It's my mom. We're on our way. <laughs> By the time we had him and we're back in our room, everyone was there, so it was great. And so we had meals coming out our ears. I kid you not, I probably did not cook for six weeks. So the baby number two, Logan, so he's going to be a scheduled C-section and it was all gonna be great. Except Logan decided to come on January 27th. So again, early in the morning, it's like four o'clock in the morning, I am definitely in labor and I can't wait for Greg's parents to get there from Anderson. I need to go now. <laughs> So again, I'm calling my dad super early in the morning saying, um, can you please come and stay with Connor until Greg's parents get here? We have to go. So we went, he was born about an hour and a half later. So again, second baby, we were probably down to four weeks, three or four weeks. I didn't cook, we had all this food, it was great. So then here comes baby number three. Greg had worked out his work schedule. He's a dentist, he had patients scheduled. The end of the year is super busy, but we're gonna go home on a Tuesday, which didn't really work in his schedule. What happened to be my dad's day off, so I said, third child, ah, it's okay, you go to work, my dad will bring us home. <laughs> he actually dropped me off at Kohl's at my request. I needed to exchange something. I wasn't quite ready. He comes back, picks me up, drops us off at home. We have our chili for dinner. So now night number two, I say, hmm, we don't have anything to eat and no one else has brought us food. So on day two of Morgan being home, we all went to Noble Romans. <laughs> I love birth stories and I apologize we had to edit that down so much that it's a lot better story than it came across in that video. So sit down with her sometime and let her share the full story with you. But I hope more than anything it helped you remember some of your birth stories. And I hope that you notice more than anything, not so much the story, but did you see how animated Sharon was and how firmly etched in her mind are all the details that occurred, which happens when our babies are born. There's something about the miracle of birth that causes these things to, to just take on a life of their own and they, they become so much a part of who we are and our identity as we recall those stories and share them with one another. So think about that. Our Bible shares some valuable birth stories and they also tell us much about God. If you have popped in here for the first time in this series, then the point we're trying to make is that you can tell the good news of Jesus Christ without these birth narratives. Because the Gospel, Mark, and the Gospel, John do. They, they don't start with Jesus' birth. They start with his baptism uh, and a description of him in general in the Gospel of John. But for some reason, Matthew and Luke has preserved these birth stories to tell us about how God came into the world. And came to the world not just as a human being, but as a baby. On this third Sunday, in Advent, this Sunday of joy, I'd like to focus on how babies bring us together. He does so in unique ways. 
And today we focus on the scripture of the wise men. How God used these people from a faraway land to help celebrate the birth of his child. And to ask, what does that mean? What's the purpose of these unique individuals in this story? It points out the power of babies. How they have the power to pull people from a foreign land, go several miles to see this birth. Wise men from the east. And God uses several forms to get them there. A star. The scripture from Micah that's shared in our scripture today. And then a dream to make sure that the Christ child stays safe as they go back another way. Now to get this story right, you might want to think about something. Craig Satterley has a tradition he does in his church as well as in his home. Because you may not realize that that often when we have the nativity scenes in our homes, we often put the wise men and the shepherds together, right? Well, they shouldn't be together. The wise men actually don't show up until after Jesus is born, several days later. So Craig sadly suggests what you might want to try at home is to take those wise men and not put them in the nativity scene if you have one of those, but to stick them in a windowsill and, and keep moving them. So they get a little closer and closer. And then on Epiphany, which is January the 6th, 12 days after the birth of Christ, then you put them in. So think about that. That's up to you. It means you will have to keep your decorations up till January 6th, so that's up to you. But that means you will have celebrated the full 12 days of Christmas. Our Christmas cards in our songs sometimes also confuse us with the wise men. We sometimes think of them as kings. More than likely, they were not kings, but they were magi or holy men from the religion of Zoroastrian, which is practiced in Persia. They were known for their dabbling in astrology. They were respected scientists of their day in astrology, which was an accepted science at that time. And they've watched the stars to bring them to that Christ child. Now, it's interesting to stop and ask, what's the purpose of this? And there's a certain amount of irony in this story because God seems to be taking people from a different religion in a foreign land who are using science, their science and their faith to lead them to the Christ child. It seems to be making a statement that God wants this child to be for everyone, no matter where they come from. And what a powerful statement it is. It's intriguing that that's kind of what God does through Jesus when he makes him an adult. Jesus' ministry was very consistent with what he does in his birth. The birth stories reflect the same God who is reflected in, our son, in his son, Jesus Christ. Because that Christ child that was born in swaddling clothes grows up, and then he eventually eats with sinners. He touches those that are untouchable. And he blesses those who had disabilities. God's world just continued to grow and grow from that birth. I think it's important to stop and ponder who that Christ child brought together on that first Christmas. First of all, I'd suggest that he brought together Joseph and Mary. You say, well, they're already together. Well, we know this was an arranged marriage. We know that Joseph was 
was willing to very quickly divorce her once he learned that she was pregnant. And yet God still made sure through a dream that he knew that this was a special calling. And Joseph became a part of uniting that family, that sacred responsibility that protected and brought God's son into this world and made sure he safely got back to Nazareth. You could also take a look at how that baby brought together two very interesting women who are distant cousins living miles away. One obviously very young and one certainly beyond the years of giving birth and yet they both happened with child and they brought together that baby leaps in her womb and then that child would become John the Baptist who some 30 years later would pave the way for the ministry of Jesus Christ. And then how about the fact that God brings together shepherds and wise men. Now, even if we don't put them together in the nativity scene, the fact that they're both a part of that story is very intriguing. Pastor Aaron last week talked about how the shepherds were on the lowest rung of society of their day, that economically they were very poor, that they were outcasts because of their profession. They could not observe the Sabbath rules. And they smelled like sheep too, which didn't help at all. And so you have shepherds brought to that Christ child by the angels. And then you have these wise men from the east who bring very expensive gifts, who must be wealthy enough that they can travel for months on end and who are respected for their science, learned men. What a contrast. It's as if the Christmas stories the birth narratives are trying to tell us that this child is a child for everyone on this earth. No matter what their economic situation, no matter what their status in life, no matter their country of origin, no matter the language they speak, this child is for everyone and calls rich and poor to come and kneel at the feet of that child. Well, what a statement that makes for us a God who I believe continues to still bring us together, just like that Christ child did on that first Christmas. I would contend that God still is working in many ways, and I, let me share a couple stories that might help you think of ways that God is bringing people together in your life. Now, th this first story I've shared a little bit in my one-on-one. -on -one. I've touched on it, but I've never told the full story. And it... It begins by talking about that next month, Nancy and I will celebrate our 16th wedding anniversary. And I vividly remember that wedding day. I remember people asking me if I was nervous, and I said, no, this time I know what I'm doing. But our wedding party was very unique because I have three girls and a boy, and Nancy has three boys and a girl. So our wedding party, we just paired them up, made it very simple. But I remember on that day, that my oldest daughter and Nancy's daughter, Arissa, both crying like crazy throughout the whole ceremony. And I was kind of moved. I thought it was tears of joy for this love that Nancy and I have found. And I naively held to that belief for a couple of years until later when I was preparing to do a workshop on blended families, I was reading a book that helped me see our marriage and our new family from my children's perspective. And it kind of opened my eyes. So I went back and 
talked to Kelsey and said, now, Kelsey, do you remember what you were thinking about when you were crying? I remember you crying so much on our wedding day. And she said, I don't know if I was aware of it then, but as I look back now, I realize that I knew on that day our family would never be the same again. A whole different perspective than what I thought. And it kind of woke Nancy and I up to realize that that blending a family takes time. It doesn't happen as quickly as you would like for it to do. And and we've we've had our challenges throughout. We certainly had to negotiate some touchy situations, as all families do, but especially with the blended family, it was very challenging. But three and a half years ago, we had something happen that really has been a miracle for us. You see, my daughter Kelsey was due around June 14th, and Nancy's a daughter Arissa was due five weeks later. Well, we wake up one morning and have a phone call on her voicemail that Nancy's daughter Arissa had a head of emergency C-section. And so when we woke up, we got in the car, packed, and headed down to Albany to make sure that mother and child were okay. On the way down, my daughter Kelsey calls me and says, Dad, guess what? I'm in labor. Wow. So I get Nancy down there. We make sure Arissa's fine, baby's fine. Had to be in the needle natal care unit for a while, but would eventually come out fine. Came back. That was a Saturday, so I had to preach the next day and then head back down to Evansville the next day to see Kelsey's baby. Just because of the time difference at Evansville, those two babies were born on the exact same day, which also happened to be Arissa's birthday as well. Well, let me tell you, this little coincidence has become our family miracle. Because there's something about those babies being born the same day has brought our families together better than any intentional effort that Nancy and I have ever made to try to blend our families. But that's what babies do, and that's what God does. Let me share another story that goes back a few years. I had a good friend. This was back in the days in which Interracial marriage was not very common. My friend was Caucasian. She met someone at work who was African-American, and that friendship quickly moved beyond that, and before you know it, they decided to get married. Everybody was okay with that. Mother, her sister, very supportive, but my friend's father could not deal with that. Matter of fact, he refused to go to the wedding. And so there was a great pain in that family for some time. My friend was heartbroken. Every family get-together was complicated because her father would never be in the same place as her husband. And then a couple years into that relationship, they had a baby. And, of course, Grandma was not going to be denied. That baby was going to be at her house whenever she wanted it to be. And, of course, when that baby's around, you know, how do you not hold a baby? It was not long before her father was holding that baby. When you hold a baby, you could care less about the color of that child's skin. And it was not long before her father's heart mellowed and he relented. Now, he and the son-in-law never became best of friends, but they got along. And peace was restored to that family. And that's what babies can do. And that's what God does in many ways to bring us together. And what a powerful statement for us in a world that we live in right now that's so divided. 
So many forces pulling people apart. It seems every issue you got to choose a, a side instead of looking at just what works. Isn't it wonderful that we have these birth stories that show us a God who brings us together? So I would imagine most of us have somebody in our life that we haven't talked to in like forever. Maybe there's been a conflict and we've kind of gone our separate ways, or, or maybe it's just because life has gotten us busy and we've neglected the relationship and now it's just kind of awkward to talk again. But let me ask you, what would the Christ child want you to do? Who is a person that you might need to reach out toward? What is the conflict that, that seems to divide? And what is an issue that has you so frustrated that you just want to do something about it? I think an interesting thing about this story is the story of Herod in it. And it's a good question to ask, why is, do we have this story? Now, we know it's partly how the Holy Family end up in Egypt for a while before they go back to Nazareth, but it seems there's got to be much more to it than that. Because doesn't Herod look silly in this story? What we have here is very consistent with what we know about Herod, King Herod, historically. He was a ruthless man, ruled for 37 years, welded power because he squashed any threat that was around him. We know that he killed his father-in-law, he killed two of his own sons, and he killed several of his ten wives. But in this story, doesn't he look rather silly? That he's worried about a little child born in a podunk town like Bethlehem? Why is he so threatened? He, with all of his power, is humbled by a power of a child, and God finds some way to protect that child and that holy family from his grasp. Well, I'd suggest to you that our Christmas story tells us that if nothing else, God can find a way to bring us together. He will use his miraculous ways, he'll use his subtle ways, and he might even use us to bring us together. So ask this day, where is God calling you? Who might God be calling you towards who is God calling you to love? Let me end with a little video that shares some inspiration for a time such as ours. Earlier this month, in Kansas City, Missouri, the Jackson County Sheriff's Department was out looking for people. And when they spotted a subject, they went after him in a sting operation, the likes of which this country has never seen. Hello, ma'am. Your vehicle was targeted. What do you mean? Oh, my gosh. Okay. What made this operation especially unusual was the man behind it. Good morning. A fellow in a red hat, known to these men only as Secret Santa. We got a mission today to go out and do random acts of kindness. Every year, this anonymous, wealthy businessman gives out about $100,000 worth of $100 bills to random strangers. But, but this year, instead of doing it all himself, he deputized these deputies to give away much of it. Okay, let's start with 1000 And so, armed to the teeth with Benjamins, the officers went out to do Santa's bidding. On a red and color Chevy Cavalier. They specifically went after people they thought would appreciate it most. Cars driving while dented or out on Bondo were likely targets. 
Merry Christmas. You're kidding. See that? Yes. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> Most people weren't just blown away. Thank you, Scott. Most people were brought to tears. Would that make your day better? Their reactions, a combination of really needing the money. Are you serious right now? And being caught so off guard. Hello. You just looked straight at me and turned around and pulled me over with no car. Hold on. How you doing, ma'am? I'm good until you pulled me over. Okay. Well, on behalf of Secret Santa, he wants you to have this. Okay? Jessica Rodriguez, a mother of three, told the deputy he saved her Christmas. No, I wasn't going to be able to give my kids anything. Well, I hope you maybe get your kids something with as always, moments like that are the main mission here. All right, you have a good holiday season. But this year, Secret okay. Santa also had a secret agenda. What do you want the officers to get out of this? Joy. You know, as tough as they are, they have hearts that are bigger than the world. Let's face it, it hasn't been a good year for law enforcement. But for the vast majority of decent officers who will never make headlines, Secret Santa offered this gift. Appreciate it, man. Can I help out? A chance to be the bearer of good news for a change. Congratulations. A chance to really help the homeless, to thank the law abiders, to see hands up in celebration, and then be assaulted in the best possible way. There were a lot of hugs. Our body cameras took a real beating. But it was worth it just to see people trust again and to see cops. You're welcome. Surrender. You have a good holiday. <laughs> Earlier this month. Dear Lord, we are thankful for your spirit that continues to be at work. In a world that is divided in so many ways, may we be that creative force. May we be your instruments that bring peace, that bring joy, and bring people together once again. Christ, who is our Lord.